Hello. Um, hello, everyone. Uh, so I graduated here from USC in 2015 uh, with a master's degree. I work now in the biotech industry here in Santa Monica. Um, yeah, biotech. Um, and I've, I've been on staff for four years. Uh, Christian Challenge has meant a lot to me in my life. I became a Christian here my sophomore year of college and was a part of this ever since. And again, I, I haven't left. I'm still here. So Challenge has been amazing to me. So this is your first time. Welcome. I hope um, is as great to you as it has been to me and many of us in this room. Uh, but I will say that Challenge is also responsible, albeit indirectly responsible, but responsible for one of the most stressful moments of my entire life. Uh, <laughs> so when I graduated in 2015, uh, Neil, uh, the director of Christian Challenge, asked me to lead a, a mission team to Bonn, Germany. Now, the mission trip was great. Uh, there was struggles, of course, like with any trip, but that wasn't the most stressful thing. The most stressful thing was getting home. So again, I was in charge of this trip, so it was my responsibility to get us all to Bonn, which we did, and then get us all home safe and sound. And so we flew out of uh, Dusseldorf, Germany. And Dusseldorf Airport is not like LAX. It is a very small airport. Um, it actually closes overnight. You can't, you can't get in past, I don't know what it is, midnight or something. And so the way the trains worked coming out of Bonn, we had to take a late night train. So we got to the airport when it was closed. So we had to literally like sleep in this <clears throat> tunnel before the train and wait until the doors opened. But that was fine, because that meant we were literally the first people in the airport that morning. And now, I'll, just something about me, when I travel, I travel a lot for work. I love to get to the airport early. I'm one of those people who get to the gate like an hour early so I can just relax. Yeah, so people are nodding. I don't understand the other people who are, are running through airports. It doesn't make sense to me. So this is right up my alley. We're so early. I mean, we're even there before the people who uh, give the boarding passes are there. So there's no way we could miss this flight. No way. <laughs> so we get in. Uh, we're, we're hanging out until the, until the uh, lines start opening. They open, we're finishing eating, and we get in line. And there's two lines, and we notice that the line next to us is moving really quick, really quick. And our line is moving kind of slow. But again, we're there so early. There's no way we're going to miss this flight. And about we have an hour left till the flight takes off, and we haven't moved that much. And people who are coming in later are getting into this other line and just zooming through, getting their tickets, heading off to, heading off to the boarding gate. And we're still in this line. And we have about 30 minutes left. And still moving slowly, and I'm starting to think, we might miss this flight. Um, and finally, I can see the desk, and I see what the problem is. And I don't know if it was a computer malfunction or if uh, the person was just in training, but she was just running around asking a bunch of questions, running all over the place, and just, it was just a disaster up there in our line, and then the other line was moving quickly. So again, most stressful thing in my life. We get there 15 minutes till the plane takes off, and we're literally the first people in the airport that morning, last people to get to the front of the desk, last people to get our boarding tickets. And I look at the, the person who has given me the ticket, and I just say, let's be honest, is, is there any way we're actually going to make this? And she looks at me, and dead serious, she says, you will if you run. <laughs> <laughs> so I said, thank you very much. I turn to my team, and like Gandalf, I say, fly, run. <laughs> and so we run. Me, who, who loves to be in the airport so early that I can just waltz up to the gate as sprinting with three freshmen from San Diego State and Ezra, who was a junior at the time. And we're just running as fast as we can to this gate. And we come to the security line, and we're not even waiting in line. We're just pushing through, saying, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, not explaining ourselves. People are cursing at us in German. We get through the security <laughs> line. 
now we have to go through the passport line. Excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. Curses in German. <laughs> Three of us get through, and then it's myself and one of the freshmen, and she turns to me and she says, with a look of horror on her face, I left my bag at the security point. <laughs> so I think it's over. But we run back, run through the line again, zigzags, curses, get there, sprint as fast as we can, and we make the flight. <laughs> For, well, it, it was not of my doing. Um, first people in the, air, in the airport that morning, literally the first people, last on the flight. And Jesus is right when he says the first will be last. <laughs> now, it's a long flight. It's 12 hours. And about halfway through, suddenly I, I just notice, all of a sudden, I forgot something in Germany too. Now, don't be alarmed. It wasn't an actual physical thing, but I realized that I didn't even pray. That whole time, from the minute that we got to the airport, sleeping in front of this door to the minute that we got in the line, sprinting through the airport, not even when we got on the plane did I once stop to pray. And I've thought about this story so many times uh, since that has happened. It's been what, four years ago, and I think about it all the time. Why? Why didn't I stop to pray? And it's funny to me because prayer was actually the theme of this mission trip. You know, as, as leader, I said, we're going to pray. And so we did. And we prayed every morning before we ate breakfast. We prayed every night before we went to sleep. Before every event, we prayed, 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 prayed. And here in this huge moment, us trying to make this flight to get home, I didn't pray. It didn't cross my mind. And I wish I could stand up here and say that that, that was the only time that has ever happened to me. Uh, but I neglect prayer all the time. There are so many times that I think back um, on things that I realize, wow, I, I didn't even pray at all. And I imagine if, if we in this room were all honest with ourselves, we would say the same thing. A, a lot of times we just don't pray. And it doesn't make sense. If you look at some of the promises that God has given us in the Bible about prayer, these are some of the most incredible promises, in my opinion, that we have. Take, take a look at some of them. I'm going to be up on the screen. Jeremiah 33.3, call to me and I will answer you and will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. God has promised that when we pray, he will answer. He'll tell us these great things. And still, sometimes we don't pray. Psalm 55, 22, cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. God promises to sustain us as we pray. And still, we don't pray. Matthew 7, 11, how much more will your father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? God is just waiting to give good things to us as his children. And still, we don't pray. And prayer is just this amazing thing. It's an invitation that we have from God. Speak to me. Talk to me. Tell me what's going on. I'm here anytime you want. You, anytime we can enter his presence through prayer. It's a privilege that we have. And still, sometimes we, we don't pray. Why? why? Why is that for you? Why is it that we just neglect this amazing gift that God has given us? Why is it that sometimes we treat it like it's a chore why do we say things like, I don't have time? I don't need it. I got this. It's my last resort, but I'm okay. You know, it's like God has given us the keys to this Ferrari, and we're content with driving the smart car in the garage. It, no offense to smart cars, but it's no Ferrari. We have this powerful thing in prayer, and we don't pray. And my goal tonight is not to stand up here and, and guilt trip all of us into praying, because that's not going to last, let's be honest. You know, maybe we'll pray for a little bit, but um, if it's just because of guilt, that's not going to last. But I do want to stand up here and just have us all be honest with each other. 
if God is really who he says he is, and if these promises and the many, many other promises that I could have picked are really true, then the reality is we don't pray nearly enough. And I think our problem is that we're thinking about prayer incorrectly. Um, so to illustrate this tonight, we're going to take a look at Jesus and how he prayed and see what is prayer really about. Now, if you study the life of Jesus, Jesus was someone who prayed all the time. He really understood the importance of prayer. And he prayed all the time. He regularly would get away from the crowds to pray by himself, sometimes all night. Um, during all the most important events in his life, he would pray during his baptism. When he, right before he was arrested, he prayed on the cross. You just see it all across his life, prayer. And we're lucky enough to have recorded in scripture Jesus teaching us how to pray. And this is found in Matthew chapter 6. And first in verses 5 through 6, Jesus calls out people who pray just to show off and make a name for themselves. And then he says this, starting in verse 7, Matthew chapter 6. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Now, this verse challenges the very core, I think, of how we tend to approach prayer. Isn't prayer just about me telling God what I need? Isn't prayer just like the drive through line? You pull up, you say what you want, then you leave. And then when you need something else, you just pull up again, say, God, this is what I want. Last time you gave me onions, I didn't want onions. Give me this this time, and then you leave. But look, look what this verse says. God knows what we need before we even ask. Prayer isn't even about words. God knows what it is we need. So what's the point of prayer? And here, I think, is our problem. We tend to think prayer is only about asking God for things. And that's a very important part of it. Don't get me wrong. But Jesus is going to show us, as he shows us how to pray, that there is something else to prayer, an important piece that we all miss and that we need to realize. And he shows us starting in verse 9 be up on the screen. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Now you notice already that the prayer that Jesus is praying is focused on something else to start. It's focused on God. And the first thing that Jesus does when he prays is he reminds himself who it is that we're actually praying to. Father. Our Father. Now what does that mean, our Father? It's pointing to the fact that, you know, God is someone who loves us, who cares for us, who only wants the best for us. And it's not a father like our earthly father, it's our father in heaven. So not only does this father loves us, but he loves us perfectly. He never fails. He always does. Everything he does is for our good, because he cares. And not only that, hallowed be your name. Again, this is acknowledging who God is, assigning to him the proper awe and reverence that he deserves. This is God we're talking to, not someone at Carl's Jr. This is God, <laughs> the person above all things, all-powerful, all-loving, our Father in heaven. It kind of changes the way we think of prayer, doesn't it? And Jesus goes on in verse 10, and he says this, Your kingdom come. God, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, not my will. See, Jesus realized in light of who God is, in light of the fact that he is our Father in heaven, we can say with confidence, your will be done, because we know that God's will is better. He is our Father in heaven. He knows what's best. And Jesus is showing us 
then in prayer, the first thing we need to do is we need to put ourselves in our proper place before God. It's not about our will. We're not God in heaven. He is. Your will be done. I know, God, that you are a perfect, loving Father, so I want your will because I know it's going to be good. And understanding this really changes the way we approach our prayers. It changes the way that we ask things in prayer. Verse 11. First thing we ask for, give us for ourselves. Give us, give us this day our daily bread. And at first glance, we might think that this is starting to become a drive-through prayer, just starting to ask for a bunch of stuff, but it's not because the focus and the perspective is totally different. Based on what we said before, based on what Jesus prayed before, here when we ask God for something, it's because we realize that he is the only one who can really provide for us. He is the one who sustains. God, your will is better than mine. And so when we ask, we do so from the proper perspective. What God wants most, that's what I need. And I need God to provide for me. Even my daily provision, even our daily bread, the, the food we need to even survive in life, we need God. We rely on God totally and completely. And not only physical things, but spiritual things. Verse 12, Jesus prays, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Forgiveness is something in this context that only God can do. Only God can forgive us of our sins. And so because he is Father in heaven, because his will is to desire to forgive us and he wants to do this, then we can pray with confidence, God, we need you, please. Please forgive us. My will is wrong. When I go my own way, it's not right. Remind me of this. Help me remember this that I need your forgiveness. And, and lastly, in verse 13, a prayer for guidance and protection. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Again, God, Father in heaven, your will be done. Please guide me, because I, I know now that it's not about my will, it's not about me. You are God. So please help me, please guide me, please keep me from doing stupid things, from getting caught up in evil. And when you look at this prayer in entirety, it's going to be on the next slide here. Really, what it is, it's a picture of the reality that we all live in. See, there is a God. He exists. And he's not some God who is far away. He, he loves each and every one of us, as a father does. And he is in heaven, perfect, always loving, always good. And his ways are always better than ours. He knows what to do. The only wise king, as that song says. We need this God. We need him for everything, our daily bread. Just to stay alive, we need this God. We need this God to cleanse us, to forgive us of our sins. We can't do that on our own. We need this God, and we need him to guide us. We need him for everything. And when we pray like this, we're asking God for things, but we're asking with the perspective that's right, that we need him, that he is above all. And I don't know about you, but I tend to forget this all the time. I tend to think life is about me and my will. You know, I tend to think that I can handle it on my own. I'm smart enough. I'm fast enough to sprint through an airport and catch a plane. I, I think it's just going to be okay. And I forget all the time that God is the one who allowed me to get on that airplane. It wasn't me. God is the one who, who really sustains me. God is the one who is great. And I need him. And so Jesus is trying to show us when we go to pray, 
instead of being focused on ourselves, on our will, on what we want, there's a better way. We take time to remind ourselves of the truth when we pray. God is above all things. It's about his ways, not ours. And then we can come before God with confidence because we're so aware of our dependence on him. We can ask him knowing that this isn't some drive-through, but rather we're just these little kids totally dependent on our parent to, to give us food even to live. Because you see, prayer does not seek to get God to give us what we want. But really, prayer reminds us of what we really need. We need God in all things, all the time. And it starts to align our heart with God's heart. It starts to align us with the truth, the reality of our situation. And when you look at prayer like that, those excuses that we have just seem silly. I don't have time to, to remind myself that I need everything from God. I got this. No, we don't. We, we need to do this every single day. And as we start to pray like this, as we constantly just pull our hearts back, back into alignment with what God is doing, the truth that God is above all, we start to pray very differently. And I want to share with us now the story um, that really demonstrates this. Uh, it's the story of Hezekiah. That's found in <clears throat> 2 Kings chapter 19. And Hezekiah is this king. He's the king of Judah. And at this time, uh, Judah is coming under attack from the king of Assyria, whose name is Sennacherib. And Sennacherib is this, Assyria at this time is so successful. They have just rolled through the area, taking nation after nation after nation, destroying them totally. But Hezekiah is a good king, and he has a track record of following God. And the other kings before him had set up all these, all, all these idols, all these false gods in Judah for worship, and Hezekiah took them out. And he restored worship to the proper, the one true God. And he had a habit of praying. And now Hezekiah was faced with this situation. The king of Assyria, Sennacherib, had taken over all the cities of Judah except one, Jerusalem. And then he starts to march on Jerusalem. And Hezekiah describes the scene like this in 2 Kings chapter 19, verse 3. He says, this is what Hezekiah says, The day is a day of distress and rebuke and disgrace. And when children come to the moment of birth and there is no strength to deliver them. It's so bleak, it's so scary, it's so terrifying that children don't even want to be born. They're, they're staying in the womb. Because what's the point of being born if we're just going to be slaughtered by the Assyrians? And this is the situation that Hezekiah finds himself in, this man of God. Just imagine what that would be like for a minute. You come out and you see this army, this undefeated army, who has taken over everything in their path, marching to your last city, you know, I'm sure he could hear just the, the screams of terror of his people. He could smell just the, the scent of battle and all, all these things. And Sennacherib sends a messenger to start to taunt Hezekiah. And it's this really interesting passage because the way he taunts him is by listing off all these other gods. Gods who aren't real, but gods that the nations that fell worshipped. And he just lists them one by one and he says, your god is no different. We're going to take you out. And just imagine what you would be thinking in this moment. You know, I think for me, the farthest thing from my mind would be, your will be done, God. Hallowed be your name. You know, I'd be thinking, this isn't what I ordered. This isn't what I want. I'd be running around trying to figure out where my armies were, maybe hiding myself. I don't know what I would do, but I know, just like I... I I found in the airport that prayer would not be on my mind 
Um, but look at what Hezekiah does. We start in uh, verse 14. Hezekiah receives the letter. The letter is this letter describing all the gods who have failed and saying that Hezekiah's God will do the same thing. Receives the letter from the hand of the messengers and read it, and Hezekiah went up to the house of the Lord and spread it before the Lord. Now, to an outside observer, it looks like he's done nothing. He's just ran and hide. But for Hezekiah, Hezekiah realizes the truth. The only thing that made sense to him in this moment was to pray. And I'm sure he had fear. I'm sure there was doubt. I'm sure he was terrified. But he needed to be reminded of the truth. That God is Father in heaven. That God is always good. That God is the one who delivers. God is the one who provides. And so he prays. And his prayer aligns his heart again back with the truth of the situation. And take a look at what the prayers focus on and see if you can recognize similar notes from the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. And this is what Hezekiah prays. He says, O Lord, God of Israel, enthroned above the cherubim, you are the God, you alone, of all the kingdoms of the earth. So it kind of sounds like our Father in heaven. You have made heaven and earth. Incline your ear, O Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see. And hear the words of Sennacherib, which he has sent to mock the living God. Hallowed be your name right there. Truly, O Lord, the kings of Assyria have laid waste the nations and their lands and have cast their gods into the fire, for they were not gods, but the work of men's hands, wood and stone. Therefore, they were destroyed. So now, O Lord, our God, save us, please, from his hand that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you, O Lord, are God alone. Hallowed be your name. Save us not that Hezekiah would be exalted, not that Hezekiah would look smart, not that Hezekiah would be made great, but because, so that all the kingdoms of earth may know that God is God alone, thy will be done. And you can just see how he prays. It's very different than just asking God for things that he wants. It's a prayer that is just soaked in humility and a prayer that is totally focused on his utter dependence. Because how can he, king as he was, stop this amazing army that comes against him? And the next verse is one that gives me chills. Take a look. Isaiah, the son of Amos, sent to Hezekiah, saying, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Your prayer to me about Sennacherib, king of Assyria, I have heard. See, God responds. All those promises that I listed in the beginning, all of those God proves to be true. He hears, he sustains, and he provides. And what follows after this verse is this amazing passage where God just kind of lays out the truth for Sennacherib, and he shows him that you're not God, I am. I am stronger than you, and it ends with this. Verses 32 to 36, Therefore thus says the Lord concerning the king of Assyria, he shall not come into the city or shoot an arrow there or come before it with a shield or cast up a siege mount against it. By the way that he came, by the same he shall return, and he shall not come into this city, declares the Lord. For I will defend the city to save it for my own sake, for the sake of my servant David. And look what happens. That night the angel of the Lord went out and struck down 185,000 in the camp of the Assyrians. And when people arose early in the morning, behold, these were all dead bodies. Then Sennacherib, king of Assyria, departed and went home. That's it. That's the end of the story. God responds. And not a single drop of blood on the side of Judah falls. See, prayer is powerful. God is powerful. 
He delivers them from evil because he is God and Hezekiah understands that. And you can see why Hezekiah is such a great king. Not because he was a better fighter. He doesn't even fight in this story. Not because he was smarter or stronger. It's not because he was able to run quickly through an airport and ignore a lot of German cursing. It was because he made it a habit of praying, of constantly getting back into prayer with God, and not prayer like we tend to think of it, not prayer just asking for things, but prayer that sought to remember the truth. God, you are God. You are Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Thy will be done. And really, we see through this story that it wasn't Hezekiah who was great at all. God is great. God is the one greater than anything, and we need to remind ourselves of that in prayer again and again and again. So we need to pray. It's a priority. It's not, it's not optional. So what can you do? How can you start to make prayer a more regular part of your life? Well, I have some ideas. Um, the first thing I would say is get into your schedule. If it's not on your schedule, it's not going to get into your life. So make sure you set aside time to pray every single day. And make sure it's, it's your best time. Uh, when I started to do this, I said, I will pray before I go to sleep. And I did pray before I went to sleep for about 30 seconds every night. Um, so then I decided, well, maybe this isn't the best time. So make it a time when you're aware, when you can really go through this and, again, remind yourself of what prayer is all about. For me, when I was in college, it ended up looking like whenever I walked to campus. I used to live in Bonsalo. Uh, you can walk from Bonsalo. I did. Um, but whenever I was walking, I, I would pray. Um, and I have long legs, so I walk fast, but that was enough time to get through a lot of prayer. So that's when I did. So figure out a time in your schedule that's going to work for you where you can pray regularly, time and time again, every single day. And as you're praying, practice praying in line with Scripture. Practice praying as Jesus taught us to pray. Because we have to work to get away from these drive-through prayers that we love to pray. We have to work to remind ourselves of the truth that God, you are Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. It's not easy to say thy will be done all the time, so we have to practice. And when we fail, pray again and ask God for forgiveness. A way that I have found that really helps me to constantly kind of pray in this, in this style, um, in this proper perspective, is to go through this acronym ACTS. It's going to be up on the screen there, A-C-T-S, ACTS. So you start with acknowledgement. You're acknowledging God, you are God. Reminding yourself of who he is. Reminding yourself that his will is better than yours. Then you take time to confess. You confess to him, God, I, I've messed up. I have many times before tried to just force my will, um, forgetting the fact that your will is better. And Confess and remind yourself of the truth. God, your will is better. Next thing you do is take time for Thanksgiving. We don't do this nearly enough for God, for all the things that he does for us. Take the time to thank him for what he's done for you. I mean, you can spend hours just listing things off, all the blessings that God has given us. And this serves to remind us of the fact that we are totally reliant on him in all things. So we got to thank him. And then supplication, ask, ask him for things. And you can see how this will get you in the right mindset when you ask. And then you're not asking just in a drive-through, but you're asking the Father in heaven, who is above all things, who we desperately need to provide for us in all things. So... Practice praying through this. I found this really helpful. Um, and the last thing um, that I would say for practice, uh, for praying in line with scripture is study some of the great prayers in the Bible. There's plenty of examples. I shared Hezekiah's tonight. 
Jesus's prayer, obviously the Lord's, the Lord's prayer. Um, and here's a couple other ones that I like myself. Um, you can find others, but Psalm 139, Daniel 9, 1 through 19, Ephesians 1, 15 to 23. The Bible is full of them. And take some time and look and see again how they reflect how Jesus taught us to pray, how they go through this process of realigning the heart with the truth of God, you are above all. The next thing I would say that would really help you with your prayer is keep a close watch on your heart because it is so easy to get off course. I mean, I find myself all the time just, again, trying to, trying to get back to my will. And a, a verse I found really helpful for this one is Psalm 66, 18. And it says, if I had cherished iniquity or wrongdoing sin, iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. Um, and I love that word there, cherished. You know, what are you really desiring? What is at the core of your heart? What do you really want? Are you cherishing God and his ways as you pray? Hallowed be your name, thy will be done. Or are you kind of cherishing what you want? I remember the, the very, one of the very first prayers I ever prayed when I became a Christian. I was literally sitting, sophomore year of college, I was literally sitting on the very rock where I became a Christian. And I was just thinking about it. And then I said, well, I'm a Christian now. Let's give it a shot. And I prayed that God would make a girl like me. Um, now, I was uh, cherishing something that was not God's ways and his will. So he did not listen to that one. Um, but this happens all the time. This comes up in my prayers all the time. I, I find myself desiring. <laughs> it's a true story. <laughs> Just, <laughs> I can give it a shot. I don't know. Um, but I find myself constantly just fighting against, this is what I think is best. This is what I think I can do. And God constantly has to remind me, no. Again, you're cherishing your, something else. Cherish me. Cherish my ways. So keep a close watch on that. It's hard. You have to practice. And you're going to mess up a lot. And so what I do is when I find myself doing that, I just say, God, I am not praying for your, for your will, for your, the, the hollowing of your name. I, I'm not praying for that. Please help me to, to do that again. And you'll see over time, slowly your heart starts to change. And slowly you start to pray for much different things, things that God wants. And the last thing I would say is keep track of how God comes through. This one is so important for me because I forget all the time. And I find myself going, oh, yeah, we did pray for that. Wow. God actually came through. You see, when you're genuinely asking God for things from a position of total dependence and total need, um, it becomes really fun to see God come through and deliver. Like, wow, those promises are true. You do provide. You do hear. You do answer. You do really love me and, and, and give me what what is best. So it's good to remember these things. So whatever's going to work for you, write them down, share them with other people. Um, but it reinforces more and more and more every single day that God is trustworthy. He is who he says he is. And it makes us more and more excited to come back to him in prayer, to seek him again, to seek his will and provision. Now just imagine for a minute, if you started to do these things, if you started to pray, not just asking God for things because you're at a drive through but really praying to seek his will, really praying to remind yourself that he provides all and he is always good and asking him for things in that, what do you think would happen in your life? Well, I'm going to share with you the story of what happened for me, uh, specifically at my workplace. Now, I have been working at the same place since I graduated. It's been four years there. And about a year into it, I was noticing that I was kind of cherishing the wrong things. I was praying these quick prayers of just my will. Because um, deep down, I wanted my name to be great. 
I wanted a prestigious job. I wanted a job that gave me more opportunity. And my current job wasn't really giving me what I wanted. You know, God, you, you forgot to put cheese on this burger that I've ordered this job. Um, and I was about to leave. I was literally about to prepare my resume and, and, and go away, find a different job. But I decided to pray in such a way that I reminded myself that it's not about what I want, God. It's about what you want, because you always want what's best for me. So help me figure that out. And as a result of that, I got the sense from God that he wanted me to stay. So I did. And there's a lot of questions. Why? Um, why am I here? And I could feel my will trying to take over and constantly trying to push me out, but I stayed. And I did my best to start praying the proper way, seeking his will. And as, as, I, as I did that, I realized, you know, I'm the only Christian in this office right now. Um, if I left, there would be no one here to, to be an example to, of, what, of what Christianity is really like. There would be no one to, to share. Um, maybe that's what God is trying to get after. So I started asking God, to start making a difference in people's lives and starting to do the things that I couldn't do. You know, I can't change a heart, God. I can't force people to change. That has to be you. So if, if, if this is what your will is, and I think it is, God, please please start doing this and, and help me to see these people as you do. Help me to, to be a part of that. So I did, and I prayed that every morning that I could, that I remembered. And I prayed, and I prayed, and prayed. And about a year later, uh, one of my coworkers refound God. She came back to church. She just totally refound her faith and decided that she wanted to start following God, too. And then we started praying together. And again, we thought the same thing. God, like, there's so many things going on in this company that we can't control. There's a lot of tension between management and us regular employees. There was fractured relationships. There's all these things. And, and we understood, God, we can't do anything about this, but you can. You're God in heaven. You can do anything you want. And we know that you want good relationships, that's your will. So God, will you, will you help here? And he, and he did, and as we prayed that every, every morning, and we reminded ourselves that we need God to do this, God started coming through again and again and again. People started changing, and there was less tension. The leadership of our company started becoming better leaders, and we started becoming better followers. Um, and we kept praying, and, and six months ago, Richard got hired. Some of you guys know Richard. Yeah, he was, he was a student here last year. Another Christian, we all started praying. We are praying for opportunities to share God. And all these things, all under the, the mantle of God, you are in control. You, your will is more important than what we want. So help us just to do what you want here. And all these things started happening. There's, we got to share openly with people. People came to church. All these amazing things started changing in our company. And I, I think back on how I was praying before. such uh, simple things, things that didn't really matter. God, make my name great. God, I want more prestige. God, I want a, a job that matters, whatever that means. And, and look what I was missing out on. You know, but God had this other plan. God's will was better than mine. And God, as I started realizing that, and as I started figuring out that instead of praying my own way over here, but instead aligning myself with what God wanted, and starting to become a part of that in my company, things really started changing. And you know, now the company I work for is totally different than what it was four years ago. And I love my job. I love being there. I love seeing every day how God is at work. And it's an awesome reminder of how much I need him. Um, and I'm no Hezekiah yet. I probably will never be, but I'm working on it. 
And I'm realizing more and more just how important it is to constantly remind myself in prayer before God, put myself in the proper place. God, you are God, not me, and I need you for everything. God keeps his promises. God is really moved. And if God can do that at my company, imagine what he could do here. All of us at USC Christian Challenge. There's really only one way to find out. We gotta pray. And we gotta start praying in such a way that seeks to align our hearts with God, that seeks to remember that God is in control. God is the one who's gonna do great things here. And we could be a part of that. We could ask for those things, but we have to remember that we have to align ourselves with Him first. He, you, God, you are Father in heaven. Your will be done. So let's try it. This semester, it's a brand new semester. Kind of, it's the second week, but close enough. This semester, let's all just try to pray. Let's all try to pray in this way and see as all of us are doing that, as all of our hearts are becoming more and more aligned with God and our prayers are more and more seeking his will and what he wants, let's see what happens. And I think, because I've seen it time and time again, that God is going to keep his promises. He's going to hear, he's going to provide, he's going to sustain, and he's going to do great things because he is a great God. Sound good? Sound like a plan? Well, let me start us off. Let me pray for us. God, you indeed are God, and we are not. And we like to pretend we are sometimes, but the truth is, we are not. So God, we ask that you would really help us, that you would help us to remember the truth. And God, that you would put it on our hearts to pray for things that you care about. Your will be done, God. So thank you for what you're going to do here. Thank you for what you've already done. Thank you for what you've done in my life here at Christian Challenge. Thankful that, uh, thank you, God, that, that you answer and that you care and that you love us as a perfect father. So, God, we pray that you would be with us the rest of tonight and the rest of the semester and evermore. We're excited to see what you're going to do. In your name we pray. Amen.